You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Psalm 139, what a good song that is and what a truth it is, isn't it? And you get more aware of that every day that you live life, how we need the Lord. And uh, I don't know why, I mean, I don't know how many times I have preached before. I know this week I've already preached six or seven times if you count the radio. I'm nervous for some reason. I'm sitting up there scared to death. I don't know what's, I think I had too much caffeine though is what that is. One or the other, but uh, you pray for me. Psalm 139, hope you had a great week so far this week. I want God to begin to speak to our hearts about another topic. We've been on faith for about eight weeks. I believe it was we, we dealt with faith. And I think God had that on purpose because I think that if we do not have faith, we'll never really grasp the truth that we're going to get presented to us tonight. It's going to take faith to get a hold of what we're going to talk about tonight because what we're going to talk about tonight, you cannot see physically. You can see the effects of it, but you cannot see it with the natural eyes. So you're going to have to have faith to get a hold of the truth that we're going to talk about tonight. This evening we're going to start a series and we're going to focus on the presence of God. The presence of God. G. Campbell Morgan said that lukewarmness is the worst form of blasphemy. You hear what I said? Lukewarmness is the worst form of blasphemy. To acknowledge that there is a God but just kind of like, eh. I think that if we got a hold of this truth, though, this evening and for the next several weeks, it would help that area of lukewarmness in all of our lives. So look with me, if you would, at Psalm 139. We're going to begin reading in verse number 7, and we'll read down through verse number 12. And let's see what the Bible says tonight. Look what it says in verse 7. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. We could keep on reading, and it would be a good few verses to read for those who would advocate abortion because it's very obvious when life begins, and God knows life in the womb, before the womb even, God knows about it. But you notice those verses we just read, the psalmist is writing, and he's rhetorically saying and asking these questions. He said, if I could, he said, where could I go to get away from your spirit? Where could I possibly go where I would not be in your presence? And then he begins to run the list. If I would go to heaven, I'd find you there. If I went down into hell, the realm of the dead, he said, I'd find you there. If I would run as fast as the light breaks through in the morning, still you would keep up with me. Even the darkness is light to you. There's nowhere I can go that I can ever get out of the presence of God. Tonight, to begin this series, I'm going to alliterate these things with S's as we go, but tonight I want to talk about God's sure and sweeping presence. Sometimes we'll make the statement, I wish God would meet with us. You don't have to invite God to come. He's already here. 
God's never had to leave anywhere to get anywhere. God's never been late. God's never been early. God just is all the time. And tonight we're going to talk about the presence of God. Pray with me, if you would. Lord, I pray that you'd meet with us tonight. I pray you'd help our mind, though it be limited, to begin to grasp this truth. And God, I believe it would help us. And I believe it would impact us. And I believe it would alter us. And God, you've used it in my life this week. And I pray that you'd use it now in the life of our church family. Thank you for watching over us thus far throughout the week. I pray that you meet the need of the hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you've heard the illustration before, but there was a boy riding on a train with a man, and the boy was reading his Bible, and the man next to him was an atheist, did not believe in God, and he began to ridicule the boy. And he asked that young boy, he said, son, I'll give you an apple if you can tell me where God is. And that boy looked back at him and said, I'd give you a whole barrel of apples if you can tell me where God ain't. That's the truth tonight. It'd be a lot easier, I mean, to tell you where God is. He's everywhere and impossible to, where, to tell you where God ain't. Now, tonight, as we approach the subject of this sermon, we've got to approach it leaning on prayer and asking the Holy Spirit of God to illuminate this truth for our mind because tonight it is completely too complicated for carnal minds to understand. It is far too deep for worldly wisdom to wrap itself around this concept. In fact, the psalmist said that himself in verse 6. He said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. But here's what I know. Tonight, if we could get a hold of this truth, it would revolutionize. And I don't just say that flippantly. I mean, it would totally change our life. If you could get a hold of this, the presence of God, I'm convinced it would touch and change how we live. It would touch and change how we act. It would touch and change how we talk. It would touch and change how we think. It would touch and change how we worship. It would touch and change how we work. Every area of life and how we handle what comes in and out of our life would be changed if we could get a hold of this truth. Now, to prepare our hearts to grasp the truth, I want to ask you a question. And how you answer the question determines how you'll see the truth. Here's the question. When I say the word God, what do you think? When I say the word God, what is your understanding of God? When I say God, what is your comprehension of who he is? When I mention God, what is your understanding of that concept? Now, tonight when I say that could be life-changing, I don't mean in some empty kind of a way. I don't mean in some cliche kind of a way. But I mean this would definitely, without a doubt, change my life and yours if we could understand fully what it means to be in the presence of our God. You see, tonight how a person views God or how a person understands God impacts every area of their life. We do what we do based on our understanding of God. We believe what we believe based on our understanding of God. Our work ethic and our worldview, all of that is shaped by our comprehension of our God. Our character, our values, our priorities, all of that is touched by how you understand God and who He is. Now, theologically, 
we attempt to describe God really by using three panoramic or encompassing words. Now let me stop and say you cannot describe God with three words. We understand that. That is like trying to hold the ocean in a thimble or fold up the universe in a napkin. It is impossible. But theologically we use three words to describe our God, His attributes. You know the words probably. Number one is the word omniscient. Number two is the word omnipotent. And number three, and what we'll consider tonight, is the word omnipresent. That prefix omni means all. So those three words basically mean this. God is all-knowing. He is omniscient. God is all-powerful. He is omnipotent. And God is all-present. He is omnipresent. We could say it like this, God always knows, God always can, and God is always there. You study your Bible, you'll find God is perfect. He is perfect in his knowledge, he is perfect in his power, and he is perfect in his presence. Isaac Watts penned a hymn a couple hundred years ago, and he said, within thy circling power I stand, on every side I find thy hand. And how true that is. You can't get anywhere that God hadn't already been. You can't leave anywhere that God wasn't. God is eternally existent. His person is present every place and at every point in eternity and in time. In fact, in Ezekiel 48, the last Hebrew name given for our God in that chapter is that word Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Shammah. You say, what does that mean? The Lord is there. That's a pretty good name for our God, isn't it? They said, what's the name of your God? We just call him there because he's there all the time. He's there on the good days and there in the bad. He's there in the ups and there in the down. He's there in the day and he's there in the night. What's your God's name? We just call him there. That's hard to understand, isn't it? You know, I don't know if a fish understands it lives in water or not. It just constantly swims in the water and it doesn't even know, it's not aware of the fact, it's constantly surrounded in the water. That's just the atmosphere in which it dwells. It's just in the water. I don't know if animals and plants on earth, they understand we are constantly in the atmosphere of oxygen here on the earth. We just live and move and dwell in this area of oxygen. That's sort of a crude illustration and it doesn't really even measure up to the fact that you and I need to understand we are constantly all always in the presence of the eternal person of our God. More so than a fish in the sea or you and I dwelling in this atmosphere of oxygen, God is the filler of all in all. And the Bible said it's in him that we move and have our being. In Psalm 139, this is a song that sings about God's attributes. It sings about his omniscience. It sings about his omnipotence and it sings about his omnipresence. The writer of the psalm has lived a long life. He's experienced many different things. And now he testifies and says, through it all, I've discovered that God always knows, God is always powerful, and I found that God is always there. I was reading these verses 
And as you read the verses, the personality of God begins to unravel before you in these inspired lyrics. It's a song, and you study it out, and the song sings about God from the top of the chapter to the bottom. In verse 1 through 4, he begins to sing about God's perception. Look at the words in the first four verses. See what it says? Oh, Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my upright. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. You see how he's describing God? He's describing God far beyond the realm of man. God does not need to get information. God does not need to gain understanding. God does not need to be given wisdom. God does not have to search for knowledge. God already knows before it ever even happens. God knows what happens in the night. God knows what happens in the day. God knew what happened in the past. God knows what's happening in the present. And God will know what happens in the future. I'm glad our God understands. I'm glad he knows the way. I'm glad he's worked the thing out. That is his omniscience. God is all-knowing. That's encouraging and convicting at the same time. And then you get to verse number five and he reads about, not, or sings about not just God's perception, but here you find God's power or God's protection. Look what he says. He said, thou hast beset me behind and before. He's saying God is in front of me and God is behind me. And look at this, and laid thine hand upon me. He's saying this, our God knows it all, but also he's been my provider. He's been my defender. He's been my supplier. He's been the leader. He's taken up the rear guard. And then he put his hand on my life so that no enemy can prevail. All the food on my table, all the good things in my my life, every breath I breathe, it is all under the control of my God. He's saying he's got power unlike anyone else. If David wrote the song, David knew about power. David was a king, but he did not have power like the power of the God that he sings about in verse number five. Aren't you glad that's our God tonight, that he's got that kind of power? Things that are too big for us are not too big for him. Things too hard for us, there isn't anything too hard for God. Things that would calls us to stumble. He simply moves on through. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. So he sings about his, his, his perception. He sings about his protection. He's never weary, never tired, never worn out. And then he sings about his presence. Verse 7 through 12. Now as we get into verse 7 and on down through the next several verses, it presents us with this definitive passage on the omnipresence or the sure and sweeping presence of God. A God of stone, think about it with me, a God of wood, a God fashioned by the hands of man is finite and it's fixed in its presence. A God of wood can only be in one place at one time. A God of stone can only be in one place 
at one time. When you leave your temple, you leave your God there. When you leave your shrine, you've left your God there. When you leave the monument, you've left your God there. If your God is fat, and if you want him to go with you, then you have to carry that little G God wherever you want him to go. Can I say that is what separated the Hebrews from every Gentile race in their day. And that is what separates the Christian from a false cult in our day. We don't have to carry our God. He carries us. I'm glad that I don't leave God at church when I say goodbye to you in a little while. I'm glad I don't leave God in the office when I go home for lunch. I'm glad I don't leave God when I get up from the altar while an idol of wood or stone is fixed and finite in his presence. Our God is infinite and immutable in his presence. He is there universally. He is there corporately. He is there individually. And he is there personally. Our God, I'll say it again, does not have to leave anywhere to get anywhere. He does not have to go to arrive. He doesn't have to escape to be present. His essence fills the atmosphere. He is in all that was, all that is, and all that will forever be. For by him all things consist. Think about it for a minute. You are always in the presence of God. Well, that'll change your life. Since I've been studying this for the last few days, it has changed the way you think about things because you stop and think. You're never alone, and that's encouraging, and that is also convicting. How would it change your life tonight if you would stop and consider this? You are always in God's presence. Now, some people say, well, that's not true because in the Bible, Moses went up on the mountain to get in the presence of God. You're mistaking the revelation of God's person for the presence of his person. Sometimes God will choose to present his person. Sometimes he does not, but he's still present. I like it when he presents, and we're going to talk about that in another Wednesday or so. But he's always present. You say, well, I don't always feel like God is there. Your feeling doesn't change fact. God is always ever present. He abides. In verse 7 through 12, it begins to break it down. Let's look at these verses. He says, whither shall I go? And this is rhetorical. He said, whither shall I go from thy spirit? You've got to remember, our God is a spirit. He's the filler of all in all. He's the spirit. Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? And now he begins to ask the question. If I ascend up into heaven, he's saying, if I go all the way up into the skies, if I were to go and surpass the stars, if I were to even get into the realm of God, where he dwells. He said, can I escape him there? And he says, no, I find God is there. Then he said, if I make my bed in hell, he said, if I go down into the grave and then go deeper than the grave, go down to the realm of the dead, I couldn't get away from God there. Even God's presence is there. He said, if I were to take the wings of the morning into on the uttermost parts of the sea, he said, if I search across the land or if I get in a ship and sail across the water, I found out that even there, God's presence is with me. He said, even there his right hand leads me and it holds me. He said in verse 11, if I say the darkness will hide me, it'll cover me up and the night is like light to God. He sees through the darkness and he's there. He said, it does not matter daytime or nighttime, land or sea, heaven or hell. God is Jehovah Shammah. He's the God that is there. He's the God who's there on the cellular level. He's the God that is there on the cosmic 
cosmic level. He's the God that is there with every grain of stardust floating in the galaxy and the God that is there with every soul that's walking on the earth. There's no exemption, no exception, and no expiration to the presence of God. Jeremiah 23, 23, God is speaking to those false prophets and he's challenging them and he says, am I a God at hand and not a God afar off? He said, you think I'm a God that's distant? He said, I'm closer than you realize. I read an illustration about a little boy in Sunday school and he was taught there's only one God, only one true God. And a man was talking to him and said, how can there only be one true God? I don't believe it. He said, because my Bible said that our God fills heaven and earth and he hasn't left room for anybody else. And I read that and I thought, I like that pretty good right there. I'm glad our God is the only God. He fills all of heaven and he fills all of earth. Heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool and there's no room for anybody else. I'm sorry, sorry, Buddha, there is no room for you. I'm sorry, Allah, there is no room for you. I'm sorry, all those little pagan gods. There is no room for you. I'm sorry, Pride Month. There is no room for you. There is only one God that fills all of heaven and fills all of earth. His name is the Lord. He's the King of Kings. There's none else. He is the I Am. He's the filler of all in all. He's God. He's not geographically separated. He's not logistically distant. He is ever close and very near to the heart of man. God is present and it's sure and it's sweeping. He's there in the womb and he's there at the tomb. Boy, I'd be scared to death if I was some crazy liberal, if I was Gavin Newsom or Nancy Pelosi or one of these crooked politicians that's advocating the murder of a baby in the womb of its mother. Have you ever read your Bible? You ever see what God has to say about it? That's just as much murder as if I had a gun and shot hey, brother, right there in this pew. Hello, God is God. He says it right here in the verses. He said he possessed my reins, covered me in my mother's womb. Before you ever existed, God was with you. You say, explain it. I can't, it's just in the Bible. When you were just growing that little embryo in the womb of your mother, God already had your life mapped out. He knew your hair color and eye color, the tenor and tone and pitch of your voice. He knew what you'd do for a living and where you'd live and be married and all that. God knew. And then we have godless politicians. I want you to understand something. Just like God is present in this place, God is present in Sacramento and God is present in Washington, D.C. And it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. God is God from the womb to the tomb. God is God behind and he's God before. He is God in the height and he's God in the depths. He is God in the land and God in the sea. He was God at creation, but not began at creation. He was before there was. You say, explain it to me. I can't. But God was there before anything else was there. God created in the beginning, but that wasn't the beginning of our God. God was there at creation. I'm glad God was there at Calvary. <laughs> I'm glad he was there on the cross. I'm glad he died for our sin, but he didn't die. I'm glad he didn't stay dead. He came up out of the tomb. I'm glad he was there at creation in Calvary. He was there at my conversion. I'm glad he is there. I said a minute ago, he's there at conception. He's there completely. Here's what he promised his disciples. Lo, I am with you always. Never a time. He said, I'm not going to be with you. I'm there every step. No matter every hour of the day, God is there. 
Every minute God is there. Every second God is there. Every month God is there. Every week God is there. Every day God is there. Every breath God is there. Every heartbeat God is there. Every step God is there. Every conversation God is there. Every thought God is there. Every action God is there. God is there on Sunday, but newsflash neighbor, he's also there on every other day that ends in a Y as well. God is there. Let me give you three things about the presence of God. Number one, it's inescapable. You never get anywhere that God isn't. When you look at pornography on your phone, God is there. Amen. But on the flip side of that, when you're broken and beat down, burdened, thank God, God is there. You can't get away from His presence. It's inescapable. Aren't you glad for that? Because listen, sometimes I don't feel like he's there. Sometimes you pray and it's like you're hitting the ceiling. Sometimes you read your Bible and it's like, it's like you can't read. Sometimes you go through the motions, you go soul winning, you're doing right, but in your heart you just feel so cold. And you can't feel God. But thank God he's still there. I'm glad he walks right there with us. His presence is there. It fills everything around us and God is there. When all others forsake you, he does not. When everybody else runs, he stays. It's inescapable. But I like this, it's inexhaustible. What do you mean? It never wears out or runs low. God is always there. Never a time, never a moment. Even when you and I fall into sin and mess up, guess what? You still have the presence of God. You might mar your fellowship, but you can't wreck the presence. It's there. Sometimes we say, boy, I want God to show, show up and move. God already showed up. He was there before you got here. What about this? It's inalienable, his presence. You say, what do you mean? It is undivided. Now try to explain this. God is with me fully and wholly all the time. He doesn't loan out parts of himself to me and then to Brother Nikolai. And, no, God is always all with me. Isn't that amazing? Amen. But wait a minute, brother. Also, God is always all with you. At the same time, God is always all with me. I don't get that. If I could get that, though, I'd be discouraged. You ever fly in an airplane and you get over, like our city, you come back into San Jose and you sit by the window and you open it up, especially if you come in at night and you can see all the lights of the city and you can see the cars driving down the road. And you see all those little cars weaving in and out of traffic and all the different lights that represent homes and things like that. And you ever think about this? Millions of people in this valley and God is all with all of them. At the same time, he is all with me. Aren't you glad nobody's got the market on God? Aren't you glad nobody has the corner on that? It's hard to understand because... I can be someplace mentally and someplace else physically, but I cannot be more than one place at one time physically. Right? Like you, some of you are doing that even now. You're mastering that. You're at home right now, Brother Mofi. You're laughing. You better not be at home right now. He's like, I'm on the couch, ice cream. Isn't that amazing? But God, at the same time he's with me in my prayer closet, can meet with you in your prayer closet. That's how big our God is. We're going to enter into several weeks on the presence of God. But can I say you're always already in the presence of God. All the time. 
How would that change my life and yours if we understood that? I wrote that statement down halfway down on that outline that I haven't really used tonight. And here's what it said right in the middle of my Bible. You are always in God's presence. In my outline, you're always in God's presence. That's a striking thing to think about, isn't it? You're always in his presence. I thought about it. God was there with David when he killed Goliath. But he's also there with David every little second of his life that we don't read about in the Bible. That was just boring. He was just as much there. Same thing's true in my life and in your life. That boy said, I'll give you a whole barrel of apples if you can tell me where God ain't. I read a statement on the omnipresence of God and it said, uh, the sun is not limited by man's ability to see it. He said, the sunlight shines upon the blind man just as much as it does the man with sight. And tonight, just because you might not be able to see or sense God does not change the fact that he is just as much with you as is with anybody else. I'm going to pray, ultra be open. I honestly think it would change the way we, we do church, if that's the right way to put it. We serve, whatever. If we understood that we are in God's presence. I'm going to pray. If you need to come tonight, you can spend some time on the altar. We're going to start this several weeks on the presence of God. This is just an introduction. God is omni, always present. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.